Hello, welcome hey. to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice. There from- we go. I, I missed yep. the I missed the interruption. <laughs> I really that did. Was it was it was it was good to hear it again. So we're I, already I'm, uh, glad you're happy. We're good. already out of sorts for this introduction, but uh, I, I'm I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. You have also heard from Catherine Rubino and Christopher Williams, who's here too, and we're gonna you know talk about legal stories for the week. Probably uh, a lot about the Supreme Court. I mean, I you guess. Know, I guess uh, this this I guess this is technically the smaller talk, but 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 you know usually there, there it is. Yeah. You know usually before the. Uh, podcast starts little um little um insider baseball there's usually a text i get sent i was like hey these are the stories that did well last week or these are the stories you'd like to talk about we didn't get that message today hmm mm-hmm. i wonder what the topic mm-hmm. will be yeah no uh that's that's a very good point and uh yeah no maybe i don't know if anybody else has any small talking but otherwise i think we can jump right into uh the release of the law 36400 ranking which <laughs> <laughs> oh oh wait that is it what we're going to talk about a a ranking that just says here's how many people people employ it's the second ranking in the There's industry two. They make two of these things. People. And they're different. Yeah, because one of them's uh, the, the firm size and one of them's the firm size, but only limited to firms that are based in the U.S. It's it's so ridiculous. It, it's as I've pointed out a few times, it is as if you released how many at bats a batter had in the baseball season and then said, and we refused to track what happened at any of them. But they were <laughs> up that many times. I know I used the I know I used the inside baseball metaphor earlier, but you don't have to use baseball actual metaphors, baseball. You know, you know these are these are lawyers. These are all nerds. I mean, um, in in fairness, uh, yeah, and I I'm not a partic- particularly baseball fan or anything, but actually, when you're talking about statistics, you you kind of do have to, to use baseball analogies. That's that's kind of the 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 most robust statistical. Uh, Baseball is definitely people. my least favorite sport. Yeah. And it's yeah, kind fair. of like the dark days of summer when baseball is the only sport really available. Yeah. No, I mean, I this is you. why I'm an F1 fan now, by the way. So that you have something to do. Yeah. Well, at least until there's a summer break there, because they also the, have that. But the summer break is like three weeks yeah. and they pretend like that's a long time and it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, st- uh, I still need to watch that documentary. I hear good things. Oh, yeah. the the Drive to Survive show, or well, there there was some documentary about like a about the F one racing. I heard from like I don't mm-hmm. know, some some Tinder match. I mean, that's how I feel, I feel like people learn nowadays. It just you know, right anyway. Maybe I'm telling <clears throat> myself, but they're like, oh, racing thing. Go watch this. I'm like, okay, yeah. Then it's definitely Drive to Survive. They mm-hmm. that's a that's a series they put out every year. Uh, there's a, it's a, basically about the year before's right. uh, season. And that's actually how I got into F1 was watching that that first year of the document, the Netflix special. And uh, yeah, it, it got me hooked. Mm-hmm. It, it is very good. Anyway, uh, at least that season was. Uh, the first season was definitely great. Uh, I mean, okay, anyway. I haven't been able to finish last season because I'm still so salty. Uh, so salty about the, the result. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not the fault of the documentary; it's the fault of the of how things get FIA. So, True. You know. all right. Well, and we 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 delved into that in a previous episode of the show, even. So let's still salty though. Yeah. Just so FYI. We, we're we're yeah. I, I hear you. Want to okay. know what else I'm salty about? It's the Supreme. Oh no! 
Too bad. Uh, it's okay. It's the Supreme Court. We can oh, still talk okay. about it. Oh, okay. That was it. a transition. Okay. <laughs> that was a transition. I was going to say, I'm so sorry. Uh, small talk has ended. But no, that's good. That is a good transition. So yeah, uh, the Supreme Court term is not yet quite over. It will be at probably right as soon as this uh, episode releases. But it's still got four cases to go. But don't worry. In the last few days, uh, a lot's happened. They have destroyed multiple rights. So, you know, there's that. It's, it's, it's really incredible. Now, I think we'll get into a lot of what's happened here. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I just want to talk about, you know, this is the classic lawyerism of it. Put aside the substance, which the stupid <laughs> lawyering of it, it's really been incredible to me, the laziness of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, just the, mm-hmm. you know, like... Part of being a judge, I always thought, was you either, I mean, like the super naive argument is that you follow the law perfectly, but whatever. But the second was that you're constantly trying to figure out new ways to explain how novel situations fit within a greater legal superstructure and don't cause cascading bad effects. I think that's, I always thought that was a, in law school, I, I thought this was an engaging intellectual exercise. How do they get to the result they want without causing all these problems? And the answer today is just just do what you want. There's yeah. no need to yeah. honor. Within I mean, 24 hours, there's no need to honor. Sure, yes. Uh, I think the best way to refer to the current court's legal theory of life is uh, was actually coined by... Uh, Leah Littman, and it's the YOLO court. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just whatever we want to do, here's some words on paper, boom, we're, we out. I, I'm actually a little shocked that they even bother to put the words on paper. <laughs> I, I, I mean, within, within, a, within a day, we have a, a decision that says, look, states are tantamount. They are the only ones who can choose how they regulate that's that's what's going on. Meanwhile, the day before, they said state laws just simply cannot be trusted. The federal government has to stand up. Like they're not even attempting to have a logical through line, which yep. is something Justice they, Kagan points out. They have a political result, and they will say and do whatever in order to advance this far right ideology. I'm already feeling old. I had the thought. I was like. Back in my day, the right hated judicial activism. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so much for that. So much for that complaint. And they never hated judicial activism. What they hated they didn't like was when the left did it. They hated the result. Yeah, I think what this current composition of the court has laid bare is that it's about the result. It's always been about the result. It's not about judicial activism. It's not about originalism. It's about getting what they want. Yeah. Period. Well, you know, that's an interesting question. So I, I guess I should be more clear when I was saying, like, within a day they, they changed it. So they, they issue this gun ruling that says the fact that New York has a over 100-year-old law about how what it takes to get a gun permit, that they strike down because their decision in Heller, which was new in the 21st century is more historical than the 111 year old. Look, there's there's a lot there's a lot of mess there. We do what we want. Right. There's a lot of mess there about how they can argue that the the, the thing that only happened in the 21st century is history. But to be the, fair, the, the, lawyers are really bad at math. 
<laughs> that, that is fair. I, I was told there would be no math. There was a lot going on there, but the crux of the argument is states can't be trusted to make their own laws. Uh, that, that's just not how this goes. You can't have this hodgepodge network of states getting up and making their own laws. We've had it for Fast, over 100 years. Right. Well, whatever. Cool, Fast cool. forward to the abortion decision, which we already knew what it was going to say because we'd already seen uh, the leak. Thank you very much, Jenny Thomas, uh, who we all are fairly confident Pretty was confident. that leaker. You know how you know? You know how you know it's, it's somebody on the conservative side? We've stopped hearing about the investigation. We, we stopped hearing about the investigation like a week into the investigation. That That's was the part we, that got We me. heard after the initial thing, we yeah. started hearing that they were asking for cell phone cell phones, records. Yeah. And then after the cell phone record information, Just, yes. that's it. It stopped immediately yep. after that. We heard yep. nothing else. And, and, yep. and yeah, and, there, there, and there's a reason. Anyway, but mm-hmm. again, this Dobbs decision comes out. The Dobbs de- decision is predicated on the idea that states are sacrosanct and the any regulation has to be done by states the federal government can't intervene in anything states are laboratories of democracy they can do whatever they want uh this is this is without any irony coming immediately after striking down a state statute First of all, that, they do not understand irony it, well and yeah i mean i guess that's true i guess that's fair and now i guess if there's any hope coming out of it is that we're we're getting the, this yolo point that you're making we're getting kind of straight up the the a vision that no, these people have stopped trying to do law, which is the Kagan dissent. Uh, well, it's it's all three of the dissenters filed a joint dissent, but you can I think I think it's fair to say you can tell what parts Kagan had the biggest hand in because those are the super snarky, funny parts. Uh, but there's a segment where this is in the Dobbs dissent in the Dobbs dissent. Yeah. yeah well, there, there's a lot of cases out there. Just want to be, <laughs> no, that's fair. Hey, there's points in there where she's just, she's just like, what about this situation? What about this situation where she just lists all of the opposite results that happen despite this? If you apply the standard of the majority, here's how they would have ruled in all of these other instances where they clearly ruled the, the other way because there's no fidelity to any of this and then yesterday we got and chris this is where i'll bring you in here because you wrote up this one we we now have uh because we've already got all these other ones we may we just decided to look at football coaches praying in school and the establishment clause of which there's a well-known lemon test and we have the supreme court go what lemon test R.I.P. Establishment Clause. And the, and the funny thing is, like, this is the the facts of the case are just so egregiously mm-hmm. um, what what would you have what would have been considered constitutional violations t- uh, last week. Um, right. <laughs> I think it was it was something like the students told administrators they felt pressured to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, the administrators told the ch- told the coach to stop. The administrator, no, the coach was using uh, religious language and like uh, like the, the team speeches. It's almost like the facts were so bad. That's why the majority lied about them. Yeah. And like, here's the thing. Their their record, it was like 2-7 with like two wins, seven losses. Dude wasn't even praying hard. <laughs> like, I mean, as hard as he was praying, it might not have even been to the right God if you're looking at the victory record. But even then, they're like, yeah, we see nothing wrong with this. And the fact that the they bypassed the, the the facts of the matter and made it about individual liberty when it's like no this is a thing that is clearly impacting others like the mm-hmm. this court is doing a really great job of darvoing y'all familiar with darvoing 
No, what's that one? Darvo refers to a reaction perpetrators, uh, reaction perpetrators of wrongdoing, particularly sexual offenders, made this play in response to being held accountable for their behavior. And the acronym stands for deny, attack, and reverse victim and offender. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Right. So what was clearly this guy trying to pressure his students into praying with him, now it's, oh, no, the school was trying to prevent this man from vocalizing his religious liberty and, you know, his religious choices and how dare they do, you know, like this is, this is mm-hmm. clear. No, you, but this is just written in like legalistic language to where it sounds like, Oh, this is not, this is, this is about an abstract concept like Liberty. This is just straight up bullying. Yeah. I think that didn't the majority write that he was quietly praying as opposed to, you know, the, what On the 50 yard line. <laughs> yeah. 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 He quietly, uh, quietly was doing it privately while his players were doing other things, which it brings us to, the dissent that Justice Sotomayor writes just like throws in pictures from the so record where that is accurate. obviously not what was happening. But like, Liar. Just, yeah, just making stuff up. It's it's unbelievable because it's also true that if you and maybe this is the clever way around this opinion, because if you believe the facts as Gorsuch pretends they existed, mm-hmm. then this case actually didn't do anything because we already had a case. I think it was like the. I think it's called like Lee or something like that. We already had a case that decided if you're a teacher and you're privately doing it and nobody else hears you necessarily that that isn't an establishment clause violation. So the clever, you know, workaround on this opinion is to say, look, if if we believe these facts, then it didn't actually change the law. Mm-hmm. The problem is that those weren't the facts, and how it changed the law is that the facts were what. Justice Sotomayor put in the dissent, and they decided those didn't matter. I think you're forgetting that one of the main tenets of textualism is that you get to choose the parts of the text that you care about, yeah, and focus only on those, right? So you know, it, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's bad. So that's a, that's a lot on Supreme Court stuff. Uh, and I'm sure, think, there's more. Yeah, I think there's probably more. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. Well, obviously, uh, the Dobbs decision was, uh, you know, a win I think- for white life. Oh, yeah. No, that was that was a thing uh, for anybody who didn't catch that. That was the way in which a 
person introduced Trump about uh, about the opinion, saying that Dobbs was a win for white life. So, and it wasn't an introduction; it was an attraction with applause and grinning. And oh there yeah, was no, yeah, there was no weeping or moaning or gnashing of teeth. This was a very clear thing. Which, of course, now, you know, I guess, I guess it was, I guess it's probably going to get spun as is a, it was a, um, a Bushism. What she meant to say it was a right, right to, to life. Yeah, but even and that's sure quite the omission, and that's quite the slip. And yeah. also, this is a woman who was like, if Hitler had Hitler had anything right, it was this one thing: people who control the children control the future. Something yeah. along those lines. When you're positively quoting Hitler, uh, you, you don't get to, you get to make s- these kinds of misstatements. You stop right yeah. there. Yeah. But obviously, this is taken I didn't up mean a Gestapo. lot. Gestapo. I meant Gaspacho. No. no yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, the Dobbs decision has taken up a lot of the uh, bandwidth. I think for for most folks out there. And one of the things that we're doing here at Above the Law is trying to figure out which big law firms are going to continue to cover abortion care for their employees who live in places where the right to abortion has now either been banned or uh, severely limited. Yeah. So I went through the list of the AMLAW 100 and out of that list, 76 76 firms have offices in places that have trigger laws or other restrictions uh, on the right. There's no more right to abortion, but to abortion care. And so we reached out to those firms and are tracking to figure out exactly which firms will continue to cover travel costs, uh, abortion care, et cetera, et cetera. What's been really interesting to me is that we knew this Dobbs decision was coming for eight weeks, eight weeks. It was it was it was clear what was happening. We knew what was going on. And uh, lots of firms don't have an answer yet. Or we were investigating to figure it out. And it just, I mean, listen, not the only institution that has kind of muffed that eight week where we actually could have had a response, you know, CEG, the federal government, CEG, the president, whatever. But the point is, uh, yeah, we are continuing to track exactly which firms will uh, pay for uh, travel and housing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's that's an important list, not just for people who are there now but also uh, you know for prospective folks two things mm-hmm. by the way for somebody thinking oh eight weeks it's not that long that's a two weeks longer than the amount of time people have to make the decision to get an abortion or not depending on some of the states you're in and two we're in the phase of american history where we're hoping that the corporations will save us from evil government like this is right. such this is such a bad scenario to be in like we are as funny, through the looking glass <laughs> yeah like as funny as the dicks out for abortion rights thing was like right. people should not be looking to dicks sporting goods to be the threat the thing that prevents people from dying from readily um ad- like easily addressable health concerns like that is terrifying like mm-hmm. it's not even like the point, the, the 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 rallying point now isn't even to like realize utopia. It's just to make sure that the bad shit that we're slated for isn't going to happen, and we're dependent on corporations to save us, and that's terrifying. And this actually, it's interesting that you mentioned it that phrase it that way because that is how I've in the past on a different uh, show I was on talked about gun laws. At this point, the the only people you can really rely on when it comes to guns is hoping some benevolent billionaire buys a gun company and shuts it down because there's no other there's no other path out yay oh okay 
Bill Gates, if you're listening, um, I I, yeah. I like Microsoft. I also like uh, Liberty. If you could, if you could help out, maybe like buy a Supreme Court justice or six. Just just put it out <laughs> yeah. there. I mean, fighting polio is important too, but you know, Liberty. Yeah, I guess I guess at this point we should uh, we should transition a little bit before we get to a new story uh, to the question of Supreme Court justice or six. This obviously, with everything that's happened in the last few days, and. And again, as bad as the substance is, the the way it's laid bare that there's not even an effort to justify a lot of these these decisions internally, mm-hmm. so like that that it is kind of a dangerously lawless court at this point. Given that there's been an increased call for reforms, uh, obviously, I, I'm on record as being a big fan of term limits. There, uh, Ellie Mistal, uh, our former co-host, has been a big believer in expanding the court. There are arguments for both of those uh, in various ways. And with all of these options out there on the table, it seems as though the president's take is to nope. do nothing. Nope. That's, that's, that's the president's take. And, and here's the thing. It's such a fucking terrible negotiation tactic. Right? Like, like, why take the thing that the right is actually scared of off the table now? Why? What are you doing? Why? 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 Well, why? For, for instance, I wrote an article. I, I, am, I am opposed to expanding the court, but pro-term limits. I think that over the expanding the court is only a short-term solution, and the only long-term solution is to actually build a court that is responsive to the swings, like a lagging indicator of the swings of the of the government. That said, I wrote an article several months ago where I said, you should walk in and say court expansion. Like, the, you take the maximalist position and then make it a compromise when you don't go that far. Like, but to begin with, my my initial offer is to do absolutely nothing about this. It's, it's like, it, it's like, Biden has decided to shoot himself in the foot. It's like, don't worry, we're not going to do anything that anybody on the right is afraid of. Don't worry. Well, I mean, I also think I've said, well, I will, you know, I mean, that sh- this isn't fair. Nancy Pelosi read a poem. So I guess there are some <laughs> Democrats who are trying to do something. Oh, my but, God. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. No, but but it what's, does. What's, li- what's with liberals and symbolic victories? Like if I see her in an I, I had enough of her when she was cosplaying Wakandans. What the, what the fuck is a poem going to do? <laughs> the fuck is a poem going to do? I really think, I'm still developing exactly my the contours of this, but it does seem as though the Democratic Party is, has become so enamored of the court that where they, they view their entire value proposition as vote for us and we won't add more problems to courts. Uh, that is terminal defense it, it means mm-hmm. you it's like playing soccer with just a goalie on the on the pitch and you know that means you're going to stop some things but you're never going to win you're you're at best going to tie forever and that means you know you lose and when that happens you need to reevaluate but this party uh, and and definitely at the elected at the leadership level and i think unfortunately it's become ingrained in the way in which you hear some supporters talk about it they just think they think compromise that, is the starting point yes. yeah yeah well they yeah they, they think compromise and that is starting. the right like always yeah like, well, there's they, something there's something important with even if you're not a polemical person for the purpose of like negotiation starting with a polemic is helpful strategically because then you have mm-hmm. some wiggle room that could go in your favor but if you're starting with, okay, I will be deferential, you literally have no ground to gain. 
Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And it's not just the court that uh, Biden has taken this uh, position with. He also has come out and said that he won't let there be abortion providers on federal land in states where that have uh, banned abortion. So the other kind of practical solution that people are advancing, he's already nixed. Don't worry. He doesn't have an he doesn't have a solution. He's just vetoed a bunch. Well, and that's that's my issue with the Beyond the the compromise, what I'm trying to get at is I think there's very much a feeling that the value proposition of the Democratic Party is vote for us and we'll sometimes prevent the hell mouth opening. Uh, and that's that's just not a long term strategy there. And once pressed, they have no solution for how to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. They're like, you should have voted for us before so that we could have stopped it from happening or delayed it from happening, probably more accurately. But that that's all they think they're capable of doing. It's just a. It's an it's an approach to governance that is just Broken. just a severe Broken. abdication of the whole purpose of governance. Yeah. Anyway, you know, speaking of the Supreme Court and how it impacts the legal industry, let's take a, a quick aside to you know the saddest the saddest man in the world, which is Paul Clement, former Solicitor General, who won the case that determined that the states with the lowest Gun mortality. This is interesting, actually. I don't know if everybody knew this. The uh, if you list out all the states and the, um, the the incidence of gun mortality per capita in them, there, there's a bunch of them right at the right at the bottom that have very few deaths, and then you know a bunch that have unfortunately tons. And those ones that have very few deaths are the ones that um, just got their laws struck down by the Supreme Court. Uh, so, and the winner of that case, Paul Clement, who was working at the time for Kirkland and Ellis was super excited about it. And then Kirkland and Ellis decided that this was the public relations nightmare that uh, they certainly had no interest in being involved in. And more importantly, that none of their other clients had any interest in being involved in. (laughs) Yeah. And they told Paul, "Okay, you have now made it to the end of this case. It's time to time to call it a day, buddy. We're not doing these gun cases anymore. So how does a professional respond to that? I assume by just kind of sucking it up and realizing, hey, there's other fights that I can do and and mm-hmm. so on or 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 what I mean you've already won the biggest gun case Exactly. So so what what does a a, a mature professional do? N- not 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 what happened. I'll be honest, I'm still stuck on this religious freedom case. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry. So what Paul so what so so what a mature professional actually does is go to the Wall Street Journal and write thousands of words of whining about how his firm's mean and they're trying to like cancel culture the you know and as a lawyer I have a duty to it, you you don't. Uh Also you, the case is over. Right, you have duties. <laughs> that's that's why you didn't get told this a year ago. Right. Uh, the, right. The firm did respect your duties. They are now have reached their completion and you can move on with your life. But it, and this goes to our new favorite term, Darvo, I guess, because this mm-hmm. this op ed is term. A, Yeah. It, this op ed is a series of I'm the victim here and the firms just are mean and and I'm the champion for like trying to take these cases that lead to more children getting shot. Uh so <laughs> And Kirkland, it, it, with its billions in in revenue, was like, "Shut up, we're done. We're yeah. done with you." Well, and uh, the crazy thing is, this isn't the first time Paul's done this. See, the, the, this guy has an mo because he's you know a, a born snowflake loser. This guy does this all the time because <laughs> the last firm he left, he left after when 
when you know, over gay rights because it reached a point where the firm he was working for decided, you know, we've decided we don't want to be associated with a bunch of cases saying it's okay to, you know, it, it's okay to be bigots. And he then responded to that by going around to the media and complaining about how he was being persecuted for trying to just take some cases. He's this is his M.O. He does this all the time. Now, I mean, maybe it's at an end because his solution this time is to found his own firm. Uh, so I don't think he can quit that. Uh, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe his other partners will cancel culture him someday in the future when he's I don't even know what can possibly be next after this term. Uh, well, I mean, I do know what's next. It, it's gay marriage again. Well, it's affirmative action next firm next term. Then it will be gay marriage again. Uh, and I think we all agree with that. Um, I meant. Particularly for for Clement, but yeah. yeah, I'm just waiting for once they get rid of uh, interracial marriage. Clarence talking again. He's saying, "Listen, it's not it's not us. It's what the founding fathers would have wanted." <laughs> right. It's it's not me. It's your founders. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's it, it's all coming, and yeah, and there is some some active gaslighting going on. Uh, Alito yep. puts it in his. Dobbs opinion that, you know, some people are going to say that this opinion means that we're going to strike down gay marriage or uh, the laws against being homosexual or the law or interracial marriage, but that's or contraception. But that's that's ridiculous. We obviously aren't doing that. The dissent brilliantly goes through this by noting that in Thomas's concurrence, he explicitly He does. He didn't get the memo and decided to go ahead and say. And so, because of this, that's why we're now going to strike those things down. To uh, be fair, but, the founders probably would have ex- uh, ignored the clear writings of the black dude too. So, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But but the gaslighting aspect, and you you hear people repeating this Alito thing, and it's it's been I've seen it uh, on social media. It is it is all a lie. And the Mm -hmm. reason you know it's a lie is because you could have struck down Roe a million and one ways. And they chose the way that was the only rights that really exist are those that were deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition. And what what Alito says that means is stuff that was legal in the 1700s. That would suggest that these other rules are in severe danger and will be moved to next. And this isn't this isn't out of the ordinary for the Alito approach. He often says, like he did with Roe, that's settled law. We won't possibly do that. But what he means is we won't possibly do anything with it until someone brings a case that allows us to do something with it. Right. Yeah. And it being the most egregious case is to where if we allow this, we allow anything. It'll be like a big right wing talking point is this idea that precedent it's not a problem to overturn longstanding precedent uh, because if the precedent's wrong, it can always be overturned. And they, for this, always cite Brown v. Board, which half of them want to overturn anyway if you look at some of their judicial hearings. But they cite that as the, because they know it has kind of a halo around it as an opinion and say, look, that overturned Plessy, and that was way older than even Roe was at the time. So Wasn't Marbury v. Madison like poorly decided? Why not that? Well, Marbury <laughs> overturning Marbury v. Madison, which, by the way, that's actually that's an excellent point uh, where originalism seems to have a, a, a big blind spot is the framers did not intend yeah. the Supreme Court to have judicial review. That so is not maybe, in the Constitution. Like, if, may, you wanna, if, maybe, you wanna, if there's no if, if, if we're already starting with the like the New York gun law that was like over over 100 years old, they're like, oh, this is bad. Fuck it. 
have let's let's have the effect the effective of just delivering the mail. This whole judicial Mark, review shit. Then let's just get rid of that. How about that? The, you want to give it to the states? All right. I, I wonder if, like, with an originalism, if you bring up Marbury versus Madison, is it like telling a computer to define love or something, where it like just starts scheming? The answer but, but, is forty-two. Yeah, yeah. The, nice. Uh, but but the um, but what I was saying about that about this is that the these attacks there were a million ways of overturning oh yeah the the brown issue like brown people cite like oh it overturns separate but equal but it it didn't really just say hey that opinion was wrong it cites hey we've learned things about education we have new information now and based on that information it changes that doctrine that that's not happening in this opinion there's no, no attempt to say that in this opinion that something has changed and there are disingenuous arguments that you could have made for that but they don't instead he cites a bunch of stuff from the 1300s that was available readily available to those justices before which would seem to suggest that it's not new information but whatever anyway we've we've talked about this and we will certainly have to talk about this again uh next week because next week i i assume we're we're determining that co2 emissions have personhood or whatever <laughs> almost certainly yeah so we'll be back on that and hopefully some other legal news uh hopefully some law firms have done something or between now and then too or dick sporting goods apparently i mean dick sporting goods is doing uh doing the real work here we we're all done right good good Peace. good good no i've got to talk uh, you know like you should Do we? you should be subscribed to the show and give it I reviews stars that. write something listen to other shows like the jabot or the rest of the legal talk network's offerings or the legal tech week journalist roundtable and you should be reading above the law where you see these and other stories before we even talk about them here you know those sorts of things do they know the places they can follow us that I don't think they do. Like you could follow me at Joseph Patrice, and you can follow Catherine at Catherine One, and you can with, follow like, the numeral? with the numeral one. Yeah, mm. and and Chris, you can follow at Rights for Rent. I do you know? that. Like, I do write yeah, for Rent. That's true, and, and we can we we can do all of that stuff here. Oh, okay. So should yeah. we do now, it? I, now, now, okay. I now we'll that. do it. No, okay. No, I think that's <laughs> yeah. All right. Now I think we can be done. Bye. Have a good one. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.